Welcome back to The Liz Wheeler Show. Don't forget to pre-order my book, Hide Your Children, Exposing the Marxists Behind the Attack on America's Kids. Right now, it's available for pre-order. Go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, hideyourchildrenbook.com, or wherever you buy your books. It is available now, and I invite you to pre-order it. Okay, guys, I've changed my mind on something. Something, something significant. Something that could impact the outcome of the 2024 presidential election. And I always try to be honest and upfront with you as I change my mind on things because sometimes we get new information. We have new factors in the algorithm that impacts your decision on something, your outlook on something, your analysis on something. And I have changed my mind on something that uh, very recently, actually just yesterday, I changed my mind on this. I, I, a story that matters for 2024, and it, it, it's impacting public opinion. So before I even delve into the what it isness of that story, let me just paint a picture, some context here, zoom out a little bit. In 2020, there was a story, a news story, that could have impacted the outcome of the election, and it didn't because it was suppressed. I'm talking about Hunter Biden's laptop. The New York Post wrote an expose on what the content was on Hunter Biden's laptop that Hunter Biden left at the laptop repair shop. And the New York Post published this, and it probably would have impacted the outcome of the election had that article been allowed to circulate. But we weren't allowed to circulate it. You know this, I know this. We weren't even allowed to send it on direct message on Twitter at the time. Twitter, this is before Elon Musk, under Jack Dorsey. This was censored. It was censored because the intelligence apparatus of the federal government, the FBI especially, was whispering in the ears of big tech, whispering, telling big tech, oh, this looks like a Russian operation. This looks like fake news, disinformation. You gotta censor this, you gotta stop this, or else our party, our, in, our election, our democracy will be compromised by the Russians. Well, of course, as we all know, the Hunter Biden laptop story turned out to be true. The New York Post article turned out to be accurate. The reporting was, was, was reality. Hunter Biden really did engage in this drug-fueled behavior. He really did um, uh, he really did sell access to the White House, to his father, to the vice president at the time, um, to foreign entities, including Chinese and Ukrainians. It's really horrendous stuff. And a poll showed in the, in the aftermath of the election, once it was established that the Hunter Biden laptop story was in fact true, it was established that Democrat voters, had they known about the story, would have reconsidered their vote for Biden. It's one of the most stunning things. I think about it often because it's one of the most stunning displays of a federal government censoring the freedom of speech, the freedom of the press in order to put their favorite candidate in office. This is like third world banana republic stuff and yet it happened in the United States. And what's even crazier is a lot of people are just like, well, let's let the past be the past. Let's not let's not relitigate 2020. Let's just let bygones be bygones and focus on the future. And it's mind blowing to me because they successfully, potentially at least, changed the outcome of the election. So all this being said, I have simultaneously been obsessing about the Hunter Biden laptop story and how big tech and our government censored it at the same time that I make the argument that yes, it's salacious and kind of juicy and grotesque and embarrassing to see Joe Biden shirtless on the beach in Delaware for the 4th of July, shuffling around in the sand like the old man that he is. It's hard to believe he's the leader of the free world when you see a video like that. You know he's being controlled by other people. But I've actually made the argument, and I stand by this, that I don't think his old age is going to make a difference. And the reason why is because if you are a committed Democrat, then you're not going to decide not to vote for the Democratic candidate just based on a characteristic about the candidate that you don't like, right? So if you are an ideologically 
secure radical leftist Marxist, then you don't care if Joe Biden's a puppet. You don't care if he's the victim of elder abuse. You just want him in office. You just want him because you don't want Trump. So I don't think his age is a good attack from the right because I don't think it changes a significant number of minds. And it doesn't change independents and centrists' minds because it's not something that creates a visceral reaction when people hear it. It's not something that they feel personally. It's not something they can relate to. It's just something that's like, well, yeah, it's kind of embarrassing. He is senile, but you know, what are you really going to do about it? Let's go about our day. But there is a story about the Bidens that I previously didn't think would make a difference that I now do think will make a difference in the 2024 election. And that is Navy Joan Biden. Navy Joan Biden is Joe Biden's seventh grandchild. Navy Joe Biden is Hunter Biden's daughter. Hunter Biden fathered this young girl with a stripper in Arkansas, and he has denied paternity from day one, even after the court uh, established that Hunter Biden was in fact the father of Navy Joan Biden, this beautiful little girl. Hunter Biden has tried to deprive her of any familial connection to him. He actually went to court, this is so evil. He went to court to try to deprive her the use of his last name, to say she shouldn't be named Navy Joan Biden because Hunter wants to deny her he doesn't want her. He, he's, he's, he's pushing her away. He's trying to abandon her. And he's actually, he has the gall to do this publicly. Even though he's in the public eye, the story's in the public eye, this, this little girl is now in the public eye. I mean, you and I know her name. Bet you can't name any other grandchildren of Joe Biden's. I can think of like one of his granddaughter's name because she lives at the White House and got married at the White House. Otherwise, I don't care what the names of his grandchildren are. But Navy Joan Biden is now a public figure because her father is trying to disown her publicly and he's willing to do this in public. As the nation gears up for another election season, tune to the first TV for the best coverage on television. Get an exclusive inside look at the American political machine with Sean Spicer at seven. Unmatched analysis and historical perspective from Bill O'Reilly at eight. Then a bold, unapologetic take from Jesse Kelly at nine. It's must-see TV in primetime every night on the first TV. Watch the first on DirecTV channel 347, Uverse channel 1220, or DirecTV stream. America is on trial. Join me, Josh Hammer, as we examine the presidential election through the only lens that truly matters, the legal proceedings of Donald Trump and the Biden crime family. This new daily podcast examines breaking news and analyzes the biggest questions facing the country. Can the former president, Donald Trump, get a fair trial? Can Trump be disqualified from the ballot? Can Joe Biden pardon his son, Hunter? Can Trump even pardon himself? We cover all the action every morning. Listen to America on Trial, wherever you download your favorite podcasts. For a while, and this is where I changed my mind, I thought, you know what? I'm not sure that this matters because Hunter Biden is such, I mean, he's a, he's a literal crackhead. He is, he's, a, he's corrupt to the core. He's possibly um, committed not just illegalities when it comes to taxes and firearms, but I'm talking law-breaking to the point where maybe he violated the, the, if you lobby for a federal government, the Foreign Agent Registration Act, he's probably in violation of that. He's like a borderline traitor to our country selling access to the White House just for money, to foreign entities that want what's bad for us. They are hostile to our values, to our nation, and to our families. And I thought, well, listen, if those things haven't made a difference in the Biden administration, then maybe this Navy Joan, this Navy Joan granddaughter story doesn't. And I realized that I was wrong for two reasons. I realized that my calculation was a miscalculation because of the reaction 
from the public, including from Democrats, to this clip. This is White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre responding to a question about Joe Biden's seventh grandchild. There was a story in the New York Times over the weekend about Hunter Biden's daughter in Arkansas. Uh, does the president acknowledge this little girl as his granddaughter? I don't have anything to share from here. So the response to that video was very interesting to me. And I thought, well, maybe I've miscalculated this. Maybe I have underestimated the public's reaction to this. And my conclusion is that, yes, I have underestimated the reaction. And the reason that I underestimated the reaction is because of what we started talking about seven minutes ago when we started this show. We started talking about the Hunter Biden laptop story. And I realized, you know what? The American people, including Democrat voters, actually do care about corruption. They do care about Hunter Biden's uh, immorality and his, his criminal behavior. It's not that they have dismissed this. It's that the federal government, the intelligence apparatus, which has been compromised by radical leftists, and big tech, which is also run by radical leftists, stifled that. So it's actually not that Hunter Biden is not an effective um, attack on Joe Biden. He is a very effective attack on Joe Biden because people care about corruption. They care about lying. They care about cashing out. They care about, um, they care about him being a crackhead. They care about him abandoning his daughter and doing it publicly, trying to deprive her his last name. The mainstream media, the corporate media and big tech have just censored this at the behest of the intelligence community, which rendered it, it did kind of neuter Hunter Biden for the 2020 election. But if the media at the behest of the intelligence apparatus has not neutered this story, people will care about it. And the reason people care about Navy Joan Biden, and I will call her by the name that she deserves and not the name that, you know, it's the name that Hunter Biden's trying to deprive her of, but it's her rightful name. The reason that people care about this while they don't care about Joe Biden's age, even if they say like, oh yeah, that's weird. I don't like that. It's time for a new generation. It's not going to change their vote. The reason this might change their vote is because while they don't have a visceral reaction to Joe Biden being old, they just kind of feel embarrassed or annoyed about it they do have a visceral reaction to seeing this little girl deprived of her father, seeing a privileged, and I, I, I hate to use the word privilege because the left has co-opted it, but when I say privileged, I mean Hunter Biden has the means to provide this young girl with, uh, with prosper, a prosperous life. He has the means to provide a good education for her. He has the means to provide money even so that her mother doesn't have to work, so that her mother could stay home and raise her and nurture her and form her into a a godly young lady. But he's trying to deprive her of that because he doesn't want the responsibility for his action, which was engaging in promiscuous sex with a stripper. The sex which we all know biologically, the consequence of sex is procreation. The consequence of sex, the, the all actions beget a, a reaction, you will, and sex makes babies. We all know this. This is not something, even Hunter Biden knows this. Even Hunter Biden knows this. And so this visceral reaction that people are gonna have, how many of us know children who are without a father? Our society is hurting because children don't have a father. Children without a father are more likely to be suicidal. They're more likely to have anxiety and depression. They're, more, they're less likely to go to college. They're less likely to graduate from high school. They're more likely to be involved in gangs. They're more likely to go to prison. Hunter Biden right now is demonstrating the worst of our country. And people react to that viscerally as we should. We should be protective of our children. We should be protective of vulnerable young people who deserve to have a loving mother and father married to each other. And Hunter Biden 
is betraying this. Hunter Biden is thumbing his nose at the responsibility. He's thumbing his nose at this little girl and people don't like that. So there was a New York Times piece that was published a couple days ago too. This was written by Maureen Dowd and it's titled, It's Seven Grandkids, Mr. President. And I saw that and I was like, whoa, whoa, this is not even a Republican we're talking about. This is, it's the New York Times, for goodness sake, the New York Times, perhaps the most leftist, dishonest, despicable of all the corporate media. The New York Times is criticizing Joe Biden for not acknowledging his seventh grandchild. The New York Times. Now, the Democrats' argument, of course, when, when we speak about this, they, they turn to us and say, you Republicans, you conservatives aren't allowed to criticize Hunter Biden, or even Joe Biden here, even if what Hunter Biden is doing is immoral, you have no um, right to criticize any politician for being immoral because you elected Donald Trump. This is what the, the left tells us. This is how the left tries to silence us. And this, of course, is a very silly argument for multiple reasons. First of all, no person, and politicians are but people, so no person and no politician are without sin. We are all we're, we're all fallen. So the way that you analyze whether their sin is so great, whether their immorality is so egregious that they are not qualified, that they should be disqualified from serving in office, the way that you that you analyze that or the way that I analyze that is by looking at whether the immorality is current or whether it's in their past. So Donald Trump's immorality and his immorality I think is uh, largely, largely viewed as as his marriages, right? He was married once, he cheated on his wife, and he got married to his mistress, and then he divorced her, and he married a third wife. And um, that's generally what the left is talking about when they're when they're when they're saying that Donald Trump has been immoral. And it, that's true. I'm not arguing that that's moral behavior. It's not. It's not. But that was in the past. That wasn't the way that Donald Trump was acting when he was in the White House. And that does make a difference. It makes a difference whether it's happening now which is what's happening in the Joe Biden White House. Joe Biden is actively enabling his son to abandon his daughter, his, or Joe Biden's granddaughter, Hunter's daughter. He's enabling that. All he would have to do is say, Hunter, you take responsibility for your daughter. You love your daughter. You raise your daughter. You provide for your daughter. That's all Joe Biden would have to say. And he's not. So this immorality is happening now. So that makes a big difference. It also makes a big difference whether, you're it, whether the immorality makes you a hypocrite right? Whether, whether it makes your, your political policies that you're advocating for, that you're trying to, to impose on the American people, if it makes those policies hypocritical. And in Joe Biden's case, it certainly does. Joe Biden claims that he wants to, he wants to stand up for single mothers. He claims he wants to cancel student loan debt. He claims he wants to, he wants to make opportunity fair. He wants, to, he wants to lift people out of poverty. And yet, what is he doing? He's actively relegating a member of his own family to being more likely to experience poverty Children that are parented by a single mother are the most likely children to experience poverty. And Joe Biden is enabling that while he's trying to tell us that he is, he is pushing policies that are going to solve, that are going to solve poverty in our country. It's, it's, he claims that he's this family-centric man, but what he's doing is he's, he's being anti-family. He's depriving Navy Joan of her family. He is her family. And he's ignoring her because what? because Hunter Biden is such a delinquent, because Hunter Biden fills Joe Biden's wallet, his pocketbook, his bank account, and Joe Biden doesn't dare to cross Hunter or else he, the money is gonna be cut off. This is, mark my words, this is going to make a difference in 2024. This story hits people in the way, it hits people's emotions, it hits people's guts, because they think of this little girl, and they think of what Hunter Biden did to her, and they think of what Joe Biden is doing to her, and it makes them angry. And that changes the minds 
of independents and centrists. Maybe it won't change the mind of the far left committed ideologues, but it changes the minds of good people who see that what Joe Biden is doing is evil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Okay, a weird thing is happening at the White House, specifically in the White House press corps. There seems to be a feud between the Biden administration, particularly Biden's press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, and a specific journalist. It's actually started back in 2021. It started with Jen Psaki, but it has continued with Karine Jean-Pierre. And the target of this feud, the journalist who seems to be under fire from the White House, is Simon Ataba. He's the chief White House correspondent for Today News Africa. And he's asked questions of Karine Jean-Pierre, and Karine Jean-Pierre has treated him in, let's just say, a very questionable manner, including walking away from the podium when Simon asks a question during a press briefing. Take a look at this. Can you take a question of the U.S.-Africa summit? Can you take a question of the U.S.-Africa summit? Karine, why is it so hard to take a question on the U.S.-Africa summit when the president is meeting 50 African leaders, the biggest garden of leaders of his administration? Why is it hard for you to give me a question? It is not hard. I've answered. I've. Would you let me answer the question, or are you get okay? Okay, I, I'm trying to answer your question. Go ahead, sir. Go ahead. I just tried. You wouldn't let me. Go ahead. I just tried, and you would not let me, sir. So your colleague is going to ask a question. Go ahead. No, I just, I literally just tried to answer your question. You shut me down. So now your colleague is going to. Okay. Thanks, everybody. I'll see you tomorrow. I mean, talk about. I, the, the word that comes to my mind when I watch that video is petulant. Kareem Jean-Pierre is acting like a petulant child. Like, you didn't ask the way that I wanted you to ask, so now I'm not going to talk to you at all. I'm just, going to, I'm just going to bicker with you, and then when you push back, I'm going to walk away. This is not behavior befitting of a White House press secretary, especially one who just a couple months earlier had, uh, or a couple months after this, after this, this back and forth, claimed that the White House, the Biden White House, wants to protect journalists from being harassed uh, and is, facing uh, discrimination. Take a look at this. we had the press conference last week. So just want to remind folks, that's why we had the press conference last week. And just to also just repeat what you just all heard from my colleague, uh, we have certainly uh, condemn any efforts of intimidation or harassment of a journalist or any journalist that is just trying to do their job. And so I just want to, I just want to be very clear about that. Discriminating against me for the past nine months. How is she discriminating? You? No, she, she she called on you. She just gave you a few questions. I just need a question, question in nine ask months. A question. Please allow me to do my job stop. and ask my question. When you say that you are journalists are being discriminated against, okay. I mean, if this really continues, we're going to end the press briefing. If this continues, you're being incredibly rude. You're being incredibly rude. You're being incredibly rude. You're talking over your colleagues. You're talking. You're talking over your colleague. So apparently it's against the rules to ask a question at a briefing, the point of which is to ask questions. Now the White House is threatening Simon Ataba. They say that um, he might not 
fate, he might not be allowed to be part of the White House press corps. They might actually revoke his hard pass. Um, his hard pass is up for renewal in just a couple a couple weeks. And they say because he interrupted the White House press secretary, he might face expulsion from being able to ask a question at all. He's with me now. Simon? Thank you for having me, Liz. Okay, Simon, I want to read you one of your tweets. You tweeted on June 8th of 2023. You said, if eyes could kill, I would be dead right now. At a restaurant minutes ago, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre gave me a deadly look. As I was picking up a napkin, I realized she was standing on my left side, so I said hi. She looked at me full of anger and did not respond. I didn't know it was this bad. Next time, I will record a video. Simon, walk me through this. This feud or this showdown that the White Mm -hmm. House is attempting to have with you, you're having with the White House. Is it personal? Is it professional? Is it political? What is it all about? Uh, I think it's all of them. Uh, You know, usually I, the way I do my job, I I just, I don't take anything personal. And it seems that the press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, she's taking it so personal. And you know, on that day, she I saw her at the restaurant and I didn't really know what to do. I mean, this someone I've sat with her in her office and we've had good conversation before. Uh, and I, we've known each other for a few years now since she, you know, she began working at the White House. And I didn't know it was that bad. She could almost kill me with her eyes and look, she gave me a death stare. And I, I, that was the first time I was shocked to see. And it's only because I'm trying to do my job. It's been nine months since the White House, since she last called on me during press briefings. She doesn't respond to my email. The White House doesn't respond to my email. Uh, they even shut down on me uh, when I go and see them. And they don't call on me during background calls. They don't call on me when President Biden is receiving 50 African leaders in Washington, D.C., as he did last December. And they also don't call on me when the first lady is going to Africa or the vice president is traveling to Africa. And these are the time where they are trying to strengthen ties between the U.S. and Africa. And it's confusing and sad. Yeah, it seems really strange watching from a distance. I'm interested in what it's (laughs) like behind the scenes You say that you're trying to do your job. I know one of the questions that I have when I watch, I mean, I I follow you on Twitter. I watch the back and forth that you have with the White House. I've seen Karine Jean-Pierre dismiss you, be deliberately outright rude to you. I mean, we watched those videos at the beginning of the episode. So everyone's familiar with it. Um, What is is the question that you want to ask? When you say, I want to do my job, I just want to ask my questions. What do you want to know from the Joe Biden White House? Many things, uh, you know, in nine months, you have like a million questions. Right now, China is expanding their influence in Africa. Russia is expanding their influence in Africa. And you don't really see what uh, the Joe Biden administration is doing to counter China. And for those who are watching us right now, almost 40% of all the mineral, rare mineral resources that are used by U.S. companies come from Africa right now. The Chinese are pushing them out, and no one is doing anything about it. And, you know, U.S., every single day we have, um, you know, tons and tons of ties and interaction between uh, U.S. and Africa. There's a, the U.S. has their media hub in South Africa. And so usually we do background calls at 4 a.m., 3 a.m. I'm always up. 
And so there are a billion questions. Questions change all the time. I know there's a guy from the Washington Post who uh, may soon retire and who did really a hit job on me. And he was asking, what's the question? Uh, and, you know, why should they call on you during briefings? And, you know, I asked him one question. If the president is receiving 50 African leaders in Washington, D.C., almost all the leaders of Africa have come to see President Biden for to strengthen ties. Won't you call on the guy who comes from that continent and who focuses on U.S.-Africa relations? If the first lady is going to Africa and you are doing background calls, won't you call on the guy who focuses on U.S.-Africa relations? If the the, the vice president is going on a you know three nation tour in you know in Africa. Won't you call on the guy who focuses on Africa? So what you realize is it's racism, discrimination against me, and they refuse to acknowledge it and they hide it by pretending to do stories. And today, a few minutes ago, the White House sent me a warning letter threatening that they may suspend my hard pass or revoke my hard pass. It's it sad what's going on. Uh, I, I know it looks bad when you see me on TV yelling a question. But before I yell a question, I try to go to them. I send emails, they don't respond. Uh, I apply to attend, um, uh, you know, I fill those forms to attend President Biden's press briefings. They don't, they don't allow me. 99% of the time, they don't allow me. Um, I attend background calls. They don't call on me, even when it has to do with Africa. I sit at the White House every single day. I raise my hand. They don't call on me. Uh, and then one day I yell a question, and then they say, oh, my God, he just yelled a question. He interrupted the press briefing. This guy comes from Africa. They are violent, and, you know, he doesn't know what he's doing. But that's the definition of racism and discrimination um, you know, being condescending towards someone. It is interesting, yes. actually, to see the reaction from the Biden White House to a more contentious press briefing, because it, it's it's an objective truth that press briefings used to be like much more boring, much more um, just low energy. They used, people didn't really tune in. They weren't national. It wasn't national news. A lot of, you probably couldn't even name press secretaries from like the George Bush administration, <laughs> except for Dana Perino. And that's because she's on Fox. And it was a precedent that the left changed. During the Trump administration, it was the left that started um, agitating. They started creating a hostile environment where journalists were acting as activists and not as objective reporters. And now that this has been sort of turned on them, the Biden administration can't handle it. It's also interesting, I think. I mean, I guess I'm so used to hearing false accusations of racism and discrimination that I always take a step back when someone claims racism. But it is interesting to see how any leftist, any Democrat reacts to a black person who dares to question the leftist orthodoxy. And I wonder if that I wonder if that plays into it in their treatment with you, in addition to the fact that you're questioning China, which is the topic which shall not be touched with them. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, when President Trump was in power, most of them were activists. And they had an arrangement then, Trump was bad. And because Trump is bad in their eyes, we need to take him down. So do we disrespect him? Do we yell question? Do we shout? Do we do everything? Someone played the recording of a baby crying at the border in the briefing room. They didn't suspend them. And you need to treat people fairly. 
you know, don't look at someone from Fox News and CNN and believe that they are better off. No, you know, treat people fairly. And I'm not saying equally. You don't need to call on me every single day or even every single week or even every single month. But when the president is hosting African leaders, you know, you, sh you should, you should, you know, you should have that courtesy to say, hey, you know, who is the guy focusing in Africa? Simon, what's your question? You can even call on me first, but she won't do that because the disrespect is deep. The ego is deep. Let me let me ask you about that email that you mentioned before. You said that the White House press office, was this directly from Karine Jean-Pierre or someone else, sent you an email warning you that they would revoke um, your access, your hard pass, if the, <laughs> and did they cite specifically the fact that they, they're, th that you interrupted? Is that the reason that they gave? Yes, they, 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 they said that uh, it was from the press office. So her office, she's the one who is the head of the press office. So they sent me from their official email. They sent it to me a few minutes ago. And they said that um, during a press briefing on June 26, I interrupted her. And right now they are warning me if I keep interrupting her, they will revoke or suspend my hard pass, which allows me to gain, which grants me access to the White House premises. And so they want to push me out, they want to silence me, they want to make sure I'm not there to ask questions. Yeah, go ahead. You know what might be a really funny question to ask the next time you get mm -hmm. a chance? Since this is the premise that they're giving you, that the press office is telling you that you might lose your access to even ask questions because you interrupted. Maybe a good question would be to ask Karine Jean-Pierre if Jim Acosta from CNN deserved <laughs> to be thrown out of the, the press room during the Trump administration because he interrupted. Because if you recall, when the White House, the Trump White House revoked Acosta's pass, all hell broke loose on in, yeah. in, in mainstream corporate media worlds. All these leftists yes. said that this was a violation of free speech and freedom of the press. It would be interesting to hear her, her answer to that question, given what she's threatening you with now. Yes, that's, uh, you're absolutely right. Yet, Jim Acosta, you pay him by, uh, you know, actually the White House Correspondents Association even wrote a, an, a letter then, back then, you know, blasting the Trump administration, talking about press freedom. They don't believe in any press freedom, in my case anyway. No, they don't. And you recently tweeted something that I'm interested in, and you said that you'd been canceled from Fox News, maybe on a blacklist or something. What's happening there? So Fox News called me. They wanted me to be on the show after the, you know, the fire Tucker Carlson. And I wasn't really sure if I wanted to do it. Eventually, my friend said, oh, you know, you have to keep being on TV and, you know, speaking the truth, uh, even though Talker has gone, you can still be there to do your story. And so uh, I said, okay, one hour before the show, they, they called me and they said that the show had been canceled. That was the first time that, you know, that had happened to me. And, and I didn't know what happened and it was great. I said, okay, great, I'm moving on. I wasn't really keen. I, I didn't know if I really wanted to do it. And last week, Fox News fired all of Tucker Carlson remaining staffers. And because of that, uh, I was informed that what happened on that day is the lady who is in charge of, uh, she, she's the gatekeeper. Uh, and she told them, 
Simon has been supporting Tucker Carlson online and as long as he keeps supporting Tucker Carlson online, he's problematic for Fox News. So no Simon Ateba uh, on Fox News. So you won't see me on Fox News uh, now because I'm loyal to people who have been good to me. Fox News and Tucker Carlson have been good to me. They were there, you know, always having me on their show, uh, different shows when I was being oppressed by the White House. And I won't choose between Tucker Carlson and, and Fox News. Uh, I believe that when people have been good to you, you, you can't just turn against them because now they don't have a show now. They are not the most watched guy on cable news and then you abandon them. I does know how I treat my relationships. No, in fact, all you have to do to hear Simon's reporting and what's happening to him is follow him on Twitter at Simon Ataba. Simon Ataba on Twitter. It really is crazy to hear what happens when anybody dissents from the leftist narratives, when you push back against this institutional power, whether it's on the left, like the White House, or even what's supposed to be on the right, like Fox News. Simon, I appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks for telling your story. Thanks for sharing what's going on. I know we're all interested in watching this unfold. I hope you don't lose your press pass, but please keep us updated. Thanks for being here today. Thank you, Liz. I'm sorry, I'm laughing at this tweet because it is the funniest tweet that I've seen in a long time. It went viral, not because people thought it was funny, but I'll read it to you and I'll show you on the screen and you'll you'll understand why this is going viral. It's posted by a guy named Jay Perkins. I have no idea who this person is, by the way. Um, this is what he tweeted. He tweeted a photo of some celebrities eating dinner at like a long banquet table. You can see this on the screen. And he says, serious question. Oh, all the people, by the way, for those just listening on audio, all the people at the table are white. He goes, serious question for well-meaning white people. When you show up at a get-together like this, do you notice there are zero black people or not? Nah? If so, do you say or do anything about it? To who? Please be honest, he said. This is a safe space unless you say something dumb or racist with a laughing emoji. First of all, I think this is so funny. If you look at the people in this, in this picture, you should look at the people because this is Jennifer Aniston is on the left and sitting directly across from her is Courtney Cox, which I found actually very interesting because this makes it, this is, it's, it's different for leftists to eat their own, right? It's all of a sudden leftist, cannibalizing leftists here. Jennifer Aniston and Courtney Cox are usually very leftist politically. Um, so I had a couple of reactions to this tweet that I wanted to share with you. And then I want to read some of the comments underneath this tweet because they are so, so funny. First of all, do I, as a white person, walk into a social gathering and do I immediately take a tally of the immutable characteristics of everybody in the room? Do I say, oh my goodness, no, no, I cannot come in to your Thanksgiving dinner because you don't have three black people, two trans people, a lesbian Asian woman, a non-binary juggler, and a midget. No, I don't do that. No normal person does that, and you shouldn't do that either. Why should you not do that? Well, because it's racist. It's racist to do that. I judge people not based on the color of their skin, not based on any kind of immutable characteristic. I base my friendship and my love for people based on who they are, based on the content of their character. Because anything, uh, doing, it, doing it opposite, judging people based on the color of their skin is the definition of racism. What is racism? Racism is viewing someone or treating someone in a demeaning manner based on the color of their skin or assuming that they must think a certain way based on the color of their skin. Um, 
I don't assign dignity and value to people based on their skin color. I assign dignity and value to people inherently based on the fact that they have dignity and value because they're made in God's image. And then, of course, I judge them based on their behavior or the content of their character. The, the funny thing here, and I think this guy, I haven't actually clicked on this profile, so I don't know anything about him. I think he's a black guy. But what he's advocating for is he's advocating for tokenism. He's advocating that you should have a black friend just because that friend is black. That you should have an Asian friend just because that Asian friend is Asian. That you should have a Latino friend just because that Latino friend is Latino. That's really insulting. That's really insulting. It's, it is the personal version of DEI. DEI is like, um, is like Ketanji Brown Jackson where she was, she was nominated to the Supreme Court just because she was a black woman. It's insulting. It's insulting. It reduces, it's reductionist. It reduces Ketanji Brown Jackson to what? Two things that she can't change, her genitalia and her DNA and the amount of melanin that's in her skin. That is so insulting. Imagine if we operated our society like that. It would, it would be a terrible place to live. But this is what the left is advocating for. It's also just race baiting, right? The, the, the reason that I defined racism a moment ago is because the left is trying to redefine racism. The actual definition of racism is either demeaning people and treating them as subhuman based on their race alone, or assigning them certain beliefs, saying that you have to think this way because you're a black person, you have to behave this way because you're an Asian person. If you are trying to control people based on their race or you're demeaning them based on their race, that's the actual definition of racism. But what the left is doing is they're trying to redefine racism. They're trying to tell us that racism isn't about how you feel about another person based on their race. It isn't about how you act towards another person of another race. You could be a completely well-meaning person who gives everyone value and dignity, and the left wants you to think that if you're white, you're still racist. Because they're trying to redefine racism to mean this is a critical race theory term a lot of people will recognize. They're, they're, they're trying to redefine racism as white complicity. Now, what is white complicity? White complicity is an invented term that the left is using to tell white people that you are inherently racist. There's nothing you can do about your racism. You can't redeem yourself. You can't get rid of it. You can't uh, change your viewpoints if you, if you have bad, bad viewpoints against other people. That you are racist just by the fact that you're white because you benefit from white privilege. White privilege, they say, is the privilege you experience because the institutions in our nation, which have given you opportunity and prosperity, were built on white supremacy. So there you go then. So if you're a white person, even if you are colorblind, even if you judge someone on the content of their character and not the color of their skin, even if you haven't had a demeaning thought towards anybody based on any immutable characteristic, you're still a racist according to the left because you've benefited from institutions that they claim were built on white supremacy. So what they're doing, what this, what this guy, what is his name again? I've already forgotten his name. Jay Perkins. What Jay Perkins is doing is he's propagating a critical race theory worldview in a personal setting. He's saying that if you're a white person, I just want to remind you that you are racist based on my redefinition of the word racist. And he's completely forgetting that these white people might identify as black people. They might be, they might be transracial. And he's assuming he might, be, uh, he might be misidentifying them. What would be the racial equivalent to misgendering? Would it be mis, misracing? <laughs> I, have, I have no idea what it would be. But it's the, it's the racial equivalent of misgendering because as we've been told by the left over and over, it's not about the essence. Our essence cannot be defined by our immutable characteristics if it comes to sex. That is all about identity. So you'll see this, this contradiction, this contradiction from the left. So I want to read a couple of the responses underneath this photo because they're hilarious. 
Konstantin Kizen says, I don't pay attention to the races of the people at a party because I'm not a racist. I hope this helps. It really is as simple as that. It actually is that simple. Lauren Chedz as so true king, personally, as a non-racist, I have a black person on speed dial who I call anytime my family and friend group are looking a little too Caucasian. If she doesn't pick up, I have a Mexican as a backup. <laughs> it actually is what this guy is advocating for. Actually, is, and what's funny is underneath Lauren's tweet, someone's like, Mexican is a nationality, not an ethnicity or a race. A sense of humor, my friends. A sense of humor would benefit everyone. And then Ian Miles Chung says, pay your reparations, bro. Pay those reparations. <laughs> the tweet cracked me up. It's been viewed, let me see how many times. It's been viewed 15 million times. And I suppose at this point, we can expect these Hollywood celebrities and their friends to come out and like apologize for not having a diverse enough, a diverse enough table. Ironically, Jennifer Aniston and Courtney Cox are famous for being on the sitcom Friends, of course, which has been criticized recently. It's kind of had a resurgence since, I think it's on HBO Max now. It's had a resurgence since it's been on the streaming platform and it's been criticized for not being a diverse enough show, which again is funny because the left acts like there's something wrong if in this case, there were, there were six people on the show, right? They were six friends. Two of them were siblings. And that was simply the experience of the writers. It was sort of an autobiographical sitcom. And this was the experience of the writers. But apparently, according to the left, you're not allowed to have friends who are white unless you have token friends who are black and date someone, date an Asian, a token Asian, just so that you, that you can add that, that racial diversity for the sake of diversity. If we, I'm laughing at this because it's funny, but it's also not funny because the left wants this to be the reality of our country. They want to vilify and demonize white people for being white, accuse white people of being evil and, 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 and embodying a poisonous ideology just because of the color of their skin. And the result of that, well, the result of that is Marxism because critical race theory is a Marxist theory. Critical race theory is a theory that intends to pit one demographic of people against another demographic of people. Black people against white people. Black people are supposed to feel like they're oppressed. White people are supposed to feel like they're oppressors. And this grievance is supposed to spark a revolution. And what is the revolution supposed to achieve? It's supposed to destabilize society. It's supposed to, it's supposed to destroy our cultural institutions in order to render our country what? Our country would would be destroyed if our cultural institutions are destabilized in this way. This is what, what I mean when I say that critical race theory is Marxist. And I know we started laughing at a photo and we quickly got to Marxism, but this is what, this is what the left has done. They've poisoned everything, even a nice photo of a beautiful banquet table. It's a very pretty view, very pretty view. And I hope they enjoyed their dinner, even though they're radical leftists, even though they're radical leftists. By the way, I forgot to mention this earlier, but we have some special content dropping tomorrow, Saturday, and on Sunday on Apple Podcasts and Spotify exclusively on those platforms. So don't miss it. Make sure you subscribe to The Liz Wheeler Show, both on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, because we have episodes for you on Saturday and Sunday this week, which I'm very excited about. Thank you for watching today. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show.